Episode 8 of my nine-part series special that I'm kick-starting 2022 with. Over these nine episodes, I'm going to be asking the same nine questions to some of the top personal trainers, business owners, entrepreneurs, and mindset coaches on the planet. And if you've missed the previous episodes, make sure to head on back to episode one and have a watch or listen to that one first. These incredible humans I'm interviewing have coached millions of people with their bodies, with their brains, and with their businesses. And some of these experts have built themselves multiple seven and nine figure businesses. Just on Instagram alone, they have a combined following of over 4.2 million followers and are some of the leading experts in their field. These experts will also be speaking this year at the International Fitness Summit in Lisbon, Portugal. And if you'd like to find out more, and most importantly, grab yourself a ticket to one of the most anticipated events of the year, head on over to internationalfitnesssummit.com. If this is the first time that you've tuned into my channel, please hit that subscribe button and make sure you get notifications because over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to be hitting you with some absolute gems that are really going to help improve your life. The eighth question that I asked to the experts was, what has been the biggest learning curve in growing your own business over the past five years? Let's have a listen to what each of them said. Yeah, that social media followers doesn't turn into money. <laughs> so obviously, if, if you're big on YouTube, you can do that because it's monetized. Um, with Instagram, obviously, you don't get paid for posting. And if you have great posts, a million followers, they don't pay you for that. So it's, it, for me, it was really difficult. And I for the first year and a half, it's like, what do I do with this? And uh, essentially, if you're building a business that's gonna make money, it can't be anything, it can be something to do with the brand in your Instagram, but you have to kind of get a business hat on and understand how people actually will buy from you. And you know, like email marketing and things like that. Um, so that was kind of the biggest thing that for a year and a half, I didn't have a clue what I was doing with that. And now I've kind of, consulted in a few different people who are obviously more skilled at it than me which is kind of helping it a little bit but yeah the two just aren't really related there's there's a lot of people with you could have 20,000 followers and if they're all super engaged all buy from you that would be more profitable than having three million followers of which nobody really cared or your product offering was rubbish or not very useful so yeah that was the biggest realization when, when my con when my page was growing it's like, bloody hell, I'm growing like a thousand followers a day. This is crazy. But I didn't actually start making any money from it until like a year and a half after. Um, I've learned a lot about people and I've learned a lot about, so I, I own a gym. I just signed a lease for a new gym yesterday at 9am, which is very exciting. Um, I own a clothing brand. Um, I am a PT. I am a coach, Olympic weightlifting coach. And in all of these things, though they're all fairly different, the one thing I've learned most about is how to be relatable to people or offer service to people. And to also not take it too personally when people don't love that service or need that service or want that service anymore. Um, I've always been 
service driven. So I always want everything I can provide for someone within my service, including like in the gym, make it the biggest gym or the best gym or that I believe I can offer. I think over the last five years, I've developed an understanding that, and this sounds really cynical, but it doesn't really matter what I think, want or need. It's about the people that want to come to me and how I can help them. Um, I think it's really important to be humble enough to accept when someone doesn't agree with what you've provided or it's not enough for them. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe that. I don't even know if that really answers the question. That's just my, it does. It does. It does. Okay. Don't share books. <laughs> 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 um, no, uh, it would be delegating. Like uh, I, I was a one man band when I began and now I take so much pride in the fact that I don't do everything. Business partners, you know, after I've worked with partners, I'm like, tell me how much you want. Tell me how much you want of the business because I'm probably going to agree to it anyway. And then down the line, if I want to make more money, it shouldn't be about owning more of my business. It should be working with my partner for our business to make more money. So rather than fighting with someone about 10, 20%, the worst thing you could ever imagine is being in partnership with someone who's not fully given your business the attention it needs. And, you know, having a manager who's more like a best friend, having a business partner who's more like a best friend is so integral to, to any success because there is not one person that can do everything. We make it look like it's just one person, but that's part of the game. But yeah, you need people around you, you need support in those. And it may take a little bit longer to get to the end point, but it's so much better having people around you. Uh, I guess, I suppose it's probably the voyage of sort of self-discovery about yourself, I guess, because the, the, you know, I've got no kids, so the business for me is an extension of me. It's my baby, um, you know, and there's good days and bad days. <laughs> and I guess, I suppose the most interesting thing really is, I guess, you know, sort of seeing how much of me is probably in Grenade, um, good and bad. I know what my, you know, I, I know what my bad points are and they're probably, you know, they're probably all in there. But weirdly as well, you made a point earlier about my, my patience of putting out good product. I am really, really, really impatient, like ridiculously impatient, which shocks everyone, but I'm patient with a brand. I think for me, boundary setting has been the biggest thing for me. I am a business owner who has very strong boundaries and, and I have done in the last few years because my background is very academic and I used to work seven days a week. When I started coaching online, I would work five days a week lecturing and then I would work two days a week coaching and I had zero boundaries at all. And I did that, I mean, really, I did that from the age of uni to 31 or something like that. And I'm now 34. And I went through a huge burnout phase of my life. I went to California for three months and just had a meltdown, basically. And I realised I had no boundaries. I just kept thinking I need to do more, more, more. Because that's, again, what the industry and business in general is usually about. And for me, it was a case of saying that's not what, again, not what I value. I value my own health and my relationships above potentially the financial impact of continuing to do more so for me it was about being able to say I'm going to take a step back because that's what's important to me set these boundaries and find a balance that works for me as opposed to just trying to again trying to be like everyone else that doesn't don't necessarily have that balance and they're happy with that but for me that's not what makes my life happy so setting those boundaries with myself with my clients was the biggest thing I think probably the biggest learning curve uh has been, uh, so when it comes to running a business, as in to know that you can't do it all yourself, 
and that regardless of how good you think you are at your job, there's always blind spots and there's always holes in your skill set. And sometimes rather than trying to, you know, become a jack of all trade and fill those gaps, sometimes it's better to let other people fill those gaps and to, you know, leverage other people's perspectives and lev leverage other people's sort of expertise to make your business more well-rounded. So I'd say probably the biggest sort of bit of advice that I would give to somebody sort of who was in my position maybe three or four years ago would be to, to find good people that complement what you do well and fill in your, your blind spots and your business will go from strength to strength. I have a team. They don't work for me. I used to think they worked for me. My biggest lesson is that they have their own values, they have their own family, they have their own life, they have their own things that they want to achieve and we're going to do this together. And in doing that, um, I love the fact that my boys have come down here today because they're getting what they want. Resentment in business comes out of somebody not having their own values fulfilled. We know what they need financially. They know what they need to do to get that financially. Um, and with that, we have a great friendship and connectivity and we communicate incredibly. And in business in the past when I was bodybuilding, it was, you work for Mark Coles. I know that, I'm not lying. You know, you work for M10, you know, should be a privilege. I think that's subconsciously for me, that was a quite a big thing was you're here. And then um, just having conversations with the boys outside of what they do and saying, you know, one of the boys is getting married soon, one of the boys is buying a house, wants to buy a house. How do we help you get there? How do we help that happen? Or how do you help me get the business where I want to be? It's like, no. Can we get you to have a great wedding and be able to save up another five or 10 grand? Can we get you to get your house in two years time? Well, yeah, but if you can help me do this, then that'll happen. And so the last five years, the biggest shift for me has really been, uh, you know, this is from 39 to 44. So they're like, well, this is a bit older in life. It's like, it can take a while to learn these things. You know, so when I had the gym, it was like, I've got, I've got a team. But uh, rewarding the team, communicating with the team, and ensuring that whatever it is that they want to achieve, I can help them with. And we keep tracking that. And if we can keep tracking that, then you never have to ask for loyalty. You never have to ask for trust. You never have to ask people to do stuff when they're not with you, because they'll just do it. So when you ever want people to do stuff for you, and you're like, why are they not doing that? Why are they not doing that? They don't respect you. They don't trust you, and there's no loyalty. And people go, how do you get loyalty? Make sure they're getting what they want. And if they're not, because the funny thing is, I remember Gary Vee said this. He said, employees are the biggest pain in the ass. Because when they've got a problem, we won't tell you, but behind the back, they think you're an asshole. And if you can find out from them if they're happy, then you can match how to make them happy, or the journey with me is ended, and it's okay. So you need to go to the next step. And I think that uh, with my coaches, some of them, there will be a stepping stone that's we're done. And that's not a bad thing because I'll encourage you to go and find the next step where you can earn some more money and progress. But other ones, we can move you up to educator da -da 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 within the business and they're progressing. And I've noticed a huge change in the relationships, the teams, the loyalty, the trust and the work rate. Um, and so for me, it's understanding the values of other people and ensuring that you manage your business according to their values, not just your own. Probably outsourcing, because that's something I really struggle with, because most of us are control freaks to some extent, but I'm probably higher on the spectrum of that, so like letting go of a few things and allowing myself to concentrate on other things, and also going back to that sort of law of diminishing returns, just thinking, 
well, I just do more and more and more and more, when actually the quality of your work is reduced massively. So I think realising that and taking a step back and seeing where my efforts are best placed, probably the biggest impact. Something I learned recently, I don't think people sometimes realise how difficult building something for yourself is if you're an entrepreneur and you're self-employed. If you've been employed for a long time, the idea you, that you suddenly have the freedom to build your own business, it sounds very freeing. And in some ways, it's fucking crippling because you are your own inspiration. You work to your own deadlines. You set your own calendar. You have to come up with the ideas. And that's difficult. And I, I think a lot of people, the idea of it, I think a lot of people want to be successful in terms of owning their own business. And I'm not one of those people. I'm not talking as if I have achieved that. I haven't. Um, but I've seen other people with very successful businesses. A lot of people look up to them um, because they want the money and the career that that person has, but they don't realize how fucking hard they've worked behind the scenes for that. And I think that's something that um, is maybe underappreciated. Hard building big businesses and, and hard entrepreneurship is uh, often not realized by a lot of people, I don't think. Probably trying to do everything myself. Again, being one of those people who's very black and white, very all all in or nothing, you become very controlling over everything that you're doing. And it's very difficult to give anything to anyone else to do. And with that, I just became massively depleted both from a physical point of view and a mental point of view. And I was not doing the, and focused on the things that I should have been doing, the things that I was actually good at. And I was taking time doing other things. So the same moment when Lucy was coming on board and she was there to help, I was just trying to do everything still rather than kind of going, okay, Lucy's actually really, really good at these things that I'm shit at and she can do those really well. I think that was a, a big one that I learned throughout the process. And now obviously as the business developed, then you, as we started to have more of a sort of financial cushion to then pay other people to do stuff. And even still at first, I think it's hard to believe and trust other people with what, you, what you're doing. So I think that has been one of the biggest things to kind of give control to other people over certain elements who are good at their jobs, who are good at what they're doing, rather than me trying to do everything and burn the candle from both ends. That things take so much longer than you ever expect them to. Like building a website, that takes a long time. It takes a long time to figure out what you actually want from something you can have an idea in your head and it's never going to turn out in the way you think it will. And that's a good thing in the long run. But yeah, I think d things are going to take time. It's never going to be overnight. It's not going to be an overnight thing. And putting the work in, but not always being like, oh, I've got so much work to do. Like you don't have to always tell people you're busy. Biggest lesson in the past five years is that the two most important things, if you want to, let's talk scaling, because the past five years we, we're, we're kind of, I've always been a one-man band with like subcontractors here, virtual peers here, Fiverr. I mean, I still use that shape of Fiverr and just people per hour and all that kind of stuff. And in the last five years, no shit, considering 20 years in the industry, I went PYE for the first time. Probably the biggest lesson I've ever had, the best lesson I've ever had, because I wondered why like, they're not getting this to me on time. They're not doing a good, of, good enough job. And then I learned that actually you can't, the two most important things to scale your business are people and processes. 
a lot of guys will, and girls will get this the wrong way around. They'll hire the people and then wonder why they're doing a shit job or hire the people and then blame the people. Oh, staff are this, staff are that. You, people are this, people are that. I'm like, well, actually, your processes are shit. Do you know what I mean? And and I think we also do this subcontracting thing and then we wonder why they're not committed. I'm like, well, they're as committed to your business as you are to them. You're not you're not paying them regular. They're doing bits on the side because you're scared to commit to them. Do you know what I mean? Because hiring someone is, is scary a lot of the time because you see it as an expense. It's not a fucking expense. If I can pay someone £10 an hour, they're going to free me up. Either I take time off or do more £100 an hour jobs or more £1,000 an hour jobs. It means that I can also do more shit that I love. Like, I don't do anything in my business that I don't like doing. Right now, I get paid to talk. That's it. And write emails because I'm not fucking delegating that. It's, my favorite, it's one of my favorite things. Ten minutes a day. Time for money doesn't work. It doesn't. As a developmental PT, I you know I think back to my own personal experiences of relocating my business from Hertfordshire to Essex and having to build up my business whilst proving I could pay for a mortgage. I got a job in a school. At that point, I was probably working seventy hours a week, and it's quite easy to find yourself in burnout. So you have to evolve the way you work with people and whether that's focusing on product or how you make people feel is you can't exchange time for money forever because it's, it's a finite resource. It does what it finds you. It stops you, whether that's illness, burnout, mental health constraints, whatever that is, you'll get stopped in your tracks at some point unless you find ways of dealing with that. Um, I would say trying to make it m my own and again, trying to come back to what I'm trying to do and trying to come back to my values and myself and what works for me because I think so often we look at other people's and you know friends who are doing really well in their business and it's so easy to do on social media because you're so much more connected to people um, and trying to copy what they do or try and expect the same projection that they're doing and to really understand that actually everyone's business is different like everyone you know like with weight loss, if everyone ate the same and trained the same, we'd all still look different. So kind of the same with business. It's like if everyone did the same thing, it would still be a different business. So just trying to come back to actually what I want to build and, and not um, not compare it too much to other people's forms of success, if that makes sense. Uh, followers don't make you money. <laughs> a lot of people tend to think when you get a lot of followers, um, when you gain some level of following, you f people think you can do one swipe up and you make 10 grand. You know, it doesn't work like that. You need to tap into that. You need to upskill yourself. You need to try things with business. You need to risk things to gain things. And I think um, what most people should do, not be scared to take action, you know? And I think that has been the biggest lessons for me by taking action, by failing, and then learning from those mistakes, yeah. So when I, I mean, my business is very different to um, probably anyone else who's, who's talking on this panel, but I, I became a partner in a GP practice um, actually just about five years ago, maybe a bit longer than that. Um, but it was, what was very interesting to me was how quickly I became comfortable with what I was doing from a, like from a clinical perspective, because I had to have more of a focus on the business the business side of things um and i get again it's a very different approach from my perspective because it doesn't involve any marketing we're you know 
we're sort of often looking to have fewer clients rather than more clients. Um, so it's, it's a slightly different approach, but just the approach to being an employer, having to, to consider all of the other things that are involved in running a service rather than you know, being one of the one of the providers of that service within a within an organization. Um, and I think that that's something that can sometimes make it easy to lose sight of what we're actually doing in the sense that people can get very caught up in things like marketing and employment politics and all of the the other bits that go along with it, because they're so important as part of running of running a business. But then sometimes the work itself can almost come second place. And I think it's really important to remember that the work itself can never come second place to, to those bits around it. They have to work together. Otherwise, you know, if, if one of them isn't, isn't going well, the whole business is going to suffer. But you can't have one without the other as well. Oh, yeah. So mine and Ben's business is my coach school. And we've grown it from zero to 40,000 members now. We've got our app coming out this year. Honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned is is absolutely okay to fail. And oh, I'm talking real big cock-ups and failures because a couple of years ago, something bad happened. I thought it was the worst thing ever. I thought everything was over. But the best things happen on the other side of fear of failure something something switches something changes you learn from your failures where I never used to think that when people say oh you learn from your no I won't everything's over it's ruined it's actually not from that whatever mistake you made you'll learn something and you'll work on it next time or you'll avoid whatever you did however you fucked up last time you're not going to do that again because you've learned from the situation tax um, <laughs> what has been the biggest lesson for me in growing my own business is realizing it's not the Phil Graham show and that I am the result of the team that I build around me and essentially the, the growth of my business is determined by the skill sets, the knowledge, the awareness and the community that I have inside my team. Uh, it's so much greater than me and Letting go of that control is paramount in order for growth, in order for scale, and essentially freedom and the ability to think. Um, as a CEO, that is the trickiest job in the business because you have to think big, you have to create vision, you have to go into the future. All of this stuff requires an awful lot of courage and an awful lot of bandwidth. So the team essentially free you up to do that rather than getting caught in the day-to-day -day and getting caught in your own way. Managing people for sure is really difficult and um, it was a step that I took because I knew I needed to bring on more people to grow my business because obviously you can only do so much yourself um, but I wasn't prepared for how difficult it would be to when there was a conflict how do you res you know resolve the conflict or um, maybe they don't like the way that you give feedback and how do you become a better boss to them and how do you uh, manage when they're fighting with each other how do you you know what do you do with that so that has been an I mean it's an ongoing thing and I feel like if of all the things is the one area that I feel like is my relative weak point as a business owner um, but I'm open to continually trying to improve because I want to keep bringing on more people so I can keep impacting other people too I can't just do it all on my own 
Um, but it's for sure been a, it's, it's, it's been a challenge. <laughs> it's been a really hard challenge. Oh, that is a good one. So the business I'll refer to will be podcasting, I suppose, which is my main passion gig at the moment. And the biggest lesson has been the power of YouTube for me. Very surprising at when you get it right, the sort of growth that you can iterate. It's terrifying. That platform terrifies me, man. Like the amount of growth and the, the speed at which you can go viral on there is insane. So 18 months ago at the start of the pandemic, I think we were on about 20,000 subs and we're on 220,000 now. And you, can't, you just can't get this growth really on any other platform. So yeah, if you are trying to grow pretty much anything that is within the mediaverse, I think that prioritizing YouTube to get that growth underway is such a great hack. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top.